You're listening to Coffee Talk with the Liturgy Guys. Excuse me. I happen to be passing. I thought you might like some coffee. Oh, that's very nice of you. Thank you. Because if beer is proof of God's love for us, then coffee is proof of his mercy. Oremus, caffeine, come to my assistance. Put that coffee down. This is not a real episode of The Literature Guys. Coffee's for closes only. There's no topic that we're discussing, and we're not even talking about liturgy the whole time. Are you telling us absolutely everything? Not exactly. We're also out of coffee. <laughs> so without further ado, another Coffee Talk episode of The Liturgy Guys. Enjoy. Coffee talk. Coffee talk. Talk. Kevin didn't want to join us for this one. He's coming right behind you. Look out! Oh, there's a Kevin. Kevin does exist. Kevin, can you say something really loud? Too late. Okay, done. Excellent. Kevin exists. Yeah, Wilson. There he is. And he is alive. And if you want to see him again, you will have to donate twenty thousand dollars to the liturgical institute. I'm afraid there are not that many people who want to see Kevin alive again. I'll give you uh, 20 bucks. All right. But speaking, you know, this bucks. for Patreon donors, right? We'd want to thank you, Patreon donors, because there actually are real expenses to this. You mm-hmm. know? I don't get paid any extra for this. Jesse doesn't this, get paid it, any Would you extra say this, this is real expensive? I don't understand. Is that there are expenses and that they are real? There, oh, there are, there are real expenses. It costs mm-hmm. about $250 per episode to mm-hmm. produce one of these between editing time and salary people and hosting online and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Right now, our, probably our Patreon is what, like 170 a month or so? No, more than that. Oh, I mean uh, per episode. How, how much per episode do you think we have support for? Oh, we currently have support for about two and a half episodes. Per month. Per month. So thank and you we, for that. And we usually do about four. So Yeah, except when I'm not fully there and it's more like three and a half episodes. I'm, don't worry, I'm never fully the there. So Yeah, true enough. But anyway, <laughs> Patreon supporters, thank you so much for that because I used to be nobody. And I'm and still are. Pretty still nobody. <laughs> However, I'm a nobody. You, people, but you say people recognize you though. Uh, well, that, when they find out that I'm on one of the liturgy guys, then they care. So I, I was down <laughs> at the Southwest Liturgical Conference and you know, you're meeting all these people. And so I shook some guy's hand and he said, oh, okay, I'm so-and-so, you're so-and-so. And then he paused and he looked and he said, that the, voice. From the liturgy guys. <laughs> I was like, yes. And he's like, oh. <laughs> so one minute I was nobody. The next minute And you were was, like, you know, sir, I've written three books. <laughs> they don't care about that. <laughs> I'm now nobody with a podcast. So Yeah, no. Needless to say, thank you uh, for all of the support that you guys uh, give us. And if you, if you are not a, a supporter and you want to be, you can go to patreon.com slash liturgy. Another way that you could help us out is buying some sweet, sweet beard balm from Catholic Balm Co. Mm-hmm. Or you could just write a big fat check for like a million dollars. That would be really awesome too. Or just half that would be fine. You know, this is my dream, Jesse. You talk about your dream a lot. I have a lot of dreams really, but one of my dreams, we have this lovely little chapel here in our mm-hmm. campus for our, a liturgical institute. And actually it's not as lovely as it should be. It's close to lovely. It would say, you know, it's got good bones, but it really needs some lovely stained glass windows and uh, like a rare dust thing. And it has you know plywood ceiling and stuff. It's got, yeah, it just needs some practical. If there's anybody out there who could write a check for $75,000, like for nothing without blinking, or mm-hmm. has a friend who could do that, we'll, we'll call this the St. Kunagunda Chapel for you, if mm-hmm. that's your name or whatever it is. It would be so awesome. <laughs> well, we're not going to say saint if, you're, if there is no saint. Well, there is a saint Kunagunda. That's Why, a real, yeah. that's a no, real I name. I know that, but yeah. like... Well, it's a naming opportunity, as they say. Anyway, yeah. 
those are the kinds of things I lie in bed and say, oh, man, Lord, please provide that. You know, well, scholarships for students, whatever, but mm-hmm. beautify my chapel. That's what I care about. Mm-hmm. Scholarships for students would be really better for us. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. So what uh, are we talking about? Well, I have a question for you. Ah, uh, yes. And this is a question that I think is, um, it's, it's been on my mind for a while. Wow. But also, I think it's, it has some practicality. I'm brimming with excitement. So we have um, <clears throat> kind of a, a wide spectrum of Catholics, um, in, let's say just in the States, but also in general. Uh, and that spectrum goes from people who you know, casually attend Mass, maybe they don't go as often, or maybe they go frequently, but they kind of go out of habit or out of ritual. They know a lot of the basics of the faith, um, but they're doing it basically because they think it's, like you say sometimes, spiritual vitamin pill, and they go and they show up. Then you have people who really dive deeply into the liturgy and actually try to transfigure themselves through the Eucharist and put themselves on the, the altar and get themselves back perfectly. Wow, you've been listening to me. Mm-hmm. That's good. So what I want from you is mm-hmm. if you could tell that person who's kind of, let's say even you know the Jesse Weiler of five years ago, you know, three things that you can do when you step into that church that will really revolutionize your mass going experience. What are those three things? Wow, you are not asking much, are you? Uh, that's a big <laughs> question to have no time to think about. Well, what is the big thing? I always want to go back to the big picture, right? God wants you. Is this number one? It's not a number yet. It's just the preamble. It's just thinking Got out it. loud. God wants you to be glorified and to be like him, mm-hmm. right? So if your mom is raising you and she is a loving person, she wants to love mm-hmm. you and she wants you to be a loving person. And so you have to say, yes, mom, I allow you to love me. I allow mm-hmm. you to give me ice cream sundaes. I will allow it. Yes, I will allow you. I will sit on your lap and allow you to hug me and show me that you love me, right? And you become a loving person when someone loves you. You know what love is. And so you have to surrender to love. If you're willful and say, I refuse to let someone love me, then you won't love anyone and no one will love you, right? Because you won't allow it. So, Boy, I know that all too well. Yeah, really. So the idea is, first, when you step into church to say, okay, I'm here to be brought to my fullest potential as an existing being who, who knows and loves, and I have to surrender to that process of God loving me. That's the that's, first That's thing. number one. That's number one. That's, so, a, that's a pretty important first step, and I would, I would argue that there's quite a few people who don't understand that or even think to ask that. Well, sure. You know, if you're a piano student or you're, you have a personal trainer, the first thing you have to be is, well, I'll let the teacher teach me, right? I'll let the trainer train me. Or and you have to have a goal. Like, what do you want out of this? Right. What's the goal? So first, you've, you, you want something good, but then you have to surrender to the discipline of the teacher teaching you stuff. And that, by definition, re- involves giving up your will uh, to some degree. So if you want to become something you're not, the first thing you have to realize is you're not as much of it as you should be, and you have to surrender to something outside of you that will make you more of what you ought to be. All right. I like it. Number one. And so part of that, and number two, is giving up your lazy willfulness. Oh, man. I know. That's the hard part. I love my lazy willfulness. Well, don't we all, right? This is what it means to be fallen. But if you want to be a triathlete you have to get up and practice, right? So there are acquiring habits of virtue that although they're not 
completely self-generated do really depend more on your will than some kind of outside revelation of, of God breaking into your life. So the first thing is God's God. He's perfect. He wants me to be perfect. I'm going to surrender to his process. Then I'm going to bring my contribution. So this is one of the comparisons they often make when uh, Jesus is on the beach Mm-hmm. The, the fire and the apostles were out on the sea. and Oh, they, they had to go get something said, bring, for them. Bring yeah, a that's, fish, right? That's right. Okay. So Jesus doesn't need a fish, right? He could just feed them however. But he says, bring yourself, your offering. And so if you have to offer yourself, and that requires a perfect, well, at least as perfect as you can well, be. Well, wait. First, Jesus gave them all specific envelopes with little numbers on the top right corner where they could bring their offering and then it could be registered. Yeah, it had the parish. return address on yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. So uh, he did that. <laughs> But then they had to put something in the envelope, right? right? So that's, that's good. <laughs> so the, the habits of virtue are, are actually important. So show up, right? Get there on Sunday, and even if the kids are screaming, and even if you're tired, and even if you're out late. I love Kevin's story about uh, New Year's Eve years ago when he was a, uh, in the chain of perpetual adoration at a, at a uh, parish. And he realized on New Year's Eve that he had, what, the 3 o'clock? The 4 o'clock hour <laughs> In the Adoration oh, no. Chapel. Wait, is that true, Kevin? On New Year's Eve. Yeah, he's over here nodding. And so he went over there from whatever party he was at in his tuxedo and just like <laughs> sprawled out in the chair. With the, I can just imagine the bow tie flapping around. But you know what? He promised and he did it. And he rallied his body even on New Year's oh, Eve. Oh, I would have just done that. prostrate. I would have been like, I'm prostrating. But I'm sleeping. But there you go. See, that's an action sort of. A personal habit and discipline. So people want to say, well, how come God doesn't just give me faith? You know, should I, should mm-hmm. just, I, I want faith, but he doesn't give it. So I guess, you know, it's his problem, not mine. Well, in some sense, he has to invite. Um, so if anybody has the invitation, this is the, the you know, the uh, soil, the seed scattered on different kinds of soil, right? Mm-hmm. There's the shallow soil. The seed soil, is the invitation. And then the gift is in sense faith. But if it's the shallow soil, then it, it withers. So you have an excitement at the beginning. And part of the tilling of that soil is developing your own habits of uh, virtue. But ultimately, it's always God inviting and God doing the work, but he won't do it against your will. And it has to be a little bit hard because if it's too easy, we don't really know that we want it. You know, it's like when someone offers you a free ticket versus a $100 ticket to something, you're like, if you're going to pay $100. Like a young adult liturgy conference or something. Yeah, right. Like, oh, it's free. Uh, I guess I'll go. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have to save up and go to that thing. Well, oh, that now mm-hmm. I know that I want that. So that people say, why is it so hard? Is the deck stacked against us? In a sense, it is, but it has to be a little bit hard so that we can really form our will to say, I'm choosing this intentionally. And the harder it is, the more you have to intentionally choose it. Not everybody, you know, operates at the high level, but, you know, martyrs and so on, you know, oh, I'm, I choose to be martyred. That's a hard thing to choose, but you, mm-hmm. then those people have this sort of glory in heaven that's higher because they have a fuller yes. So that's it. Let God, sur- surrender to God, and let him do his thing with you, then bring your habits of uh, virtue to it. That's two. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for number three. three. Uh, know what you're doing. Right? Learn. If you want to be a great piano player, you have to learn what notes are and what keys are and what scales are. And you're going to listen to Chopin recordings and Beethoven recordings. And if you're going to be like the top in your field, like a professor of piano, then you have to know everything, learn all the stuff and practice. So think of it, think of it that way. I am surrendering to the process of learning the piano, right? There mm-hmm. is this great set of music, a piano out there for over the centuries, and I'm not it. Right? Mm-hmm. I want to become it. What do I have to do? Get a teacher, surrender to the teacher, mm-hmm. practice habits of virtue, and then know. And then the result is what at the end well, of all that? Well, because knowledge is power. 
Well, in a sense, yeah, but... Uh, well, the result is the fullness. Then you get to wander around in the Garden of Delight, right? I've practiced so much, I know so much, I've surrendered so much that now I'm the master of this. So what mm-hmm. does it mean to be the master of something? It means I can improvise something in the drop of a hat. I can mm-hmm. pick up a book, open it, and play it immediately. You could come up with three things you should do about the mess without even having been well, prepped. Yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> do you ever see the movie Amadeus? I have. Oh, yeah, I have seen that. Remember the little Mozart guy? You know, he's so talented and he can play anything. And they bring mm-hmm. him to the party and they hold him upside down. And, mm-hmm. on, you know, and he's playing the piano over his head and upside down with the opposite hands because he had mastered the craft. Now, he had a, a very special gift. But for most people, you have to master that through labor. My mom told me I'm very special. Yeah, you're, you're special. All right. <laughs> um, so this combination of knowledge, invitation, surrender, and uh, discipline... But the result is not, oh, why do I have to practice again? Because I hate this. It's, wow, when I practice this, I will be free. And so the comparison in the Christian life, you know, that Guardini talks about the playfulness of the liturgy. You can't play the piano unless you're good at it. If you aren't good at it, it you work the piano. Mm. <laughs> you oh, work I on like the piano. That. You can't play basketball like Michael Jordan unless you've worked at becoming Michael Jordan. It's, then it's just work to do that. But once you've mastered all those things, then you can just wander around in the sea of delight of ease. And that is a close approximation of being freed from the effects of the fall. It's an approximation of being like heaven. Not like Kevin, but like heaven. <laughs> like heaven. heaven. Oh. And that's where we all want to be. We want freedom from our inability to know and do. And it's hard, you know, in this world, it's hard to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how you get there. So if you want to be like God, like you, have Kevin. To, you have to say, God, you're God, I'm not. And then teach me, transform me, give me the strength to do this, and let me read books about you and the liturgy. And then go to the liturgy, understand what you're doing, celebrate it fully, ask for the influx of grace to make it more full and more easy, and then receive the sacraments. And if you fall off the wagon, go to confession and all the things you need to do. And then at some point you say, wow, I mean, I didn't used to be a daily mass goer until about... Mm-hmm. I'm still not. I'm getting there. Eight, eight or nine <laughs> years ago. Domestic uh, life has oh, made that gosh. a little more difficult. When I was a kid, mass, I thought, was just torture. It was the worst mm-hmm. thing in the world. There was this turn lane off the major road into the other road where the church was, and it had a you know an arrow. Do not enter. And <laughs> No, but there's all these cars lined up because they're all making the turn to go into church. And I remember now just sitting there like, oh, this turn lane, the arrow's going to turn green and I'm going to have to go to church. <laughs> oh, I hate it. I mean, I didn't hate it intentionally, but it's like, this is the worst thing, most boring thing ever. And the thought of going to mass every day mm-hmm. as a kid, oh, what torture that would be. But now, you know, you say, oh, well, I, you know, I haven't, you get to. I haven't missed daily mass outside of, you know, my own control, like travel or something in almost 10 years. Now I'm like, Whoa. man, I don't want to miss it. You know, this is a chance to grow in grace and do what needs to be done. And all this, you know, opportunity language versus uh, duty language is mm-hmm. important. So those are my three things off the top of my head. How's that? I like it. And yeah. would you say that these are continual things that you have to continue doing things no matter where you're at? You have to kind of do all three things. And it seems sequential to me. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of what you were thinking too? Yeah, you know, there's kind of a prequel to the one, two, and three, which is why do you get in the church door at all, right? It's because something is beautiful about it. Something mm-hmm. is lovely. So how do how do you become interested in 
taking piano lessons. Well, I remember I started piano lessons in seventh grade, and there was this kid who was playing some kind of Billy Joel song, and I thought it was so cool, and all the girls were on the piano. Was it <laughs> Piano Man? It, I think it was. <laughs> it was the Angry Young Man. Do you know that one? No, I don't. Um, uh, anyway, and I was like, that's so cool. I want to do that, right? So then I asked my mom, can I take piano lessons? And my mom was like, we don't have a piano. I'm like, I don't care. You know, and I used to practice in the library practice room uh, mm-hmm. after school because I really wanted to learn to play the piano because I encountered something really great. So for us as Christians, you know, if we're ugly and judgmental and mean and unhappy, people are going to be like, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. But if you're loving and kind and wonderful and they say, wow, how did you get that way? And you can say divine life. Really? How do I get that? Mm-hmm. How do I get some of that water that I can drink and never be thirsty again? And it takes work though too. I mean, anything that's worth celebrating takes work. You know, you go to four years of college and then you graduate and you want to celebrate. I remember in college, I was in a lot of the plays. And once we finished a weekend run, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we would have a big cast party. And mm-hmm. it would be like, we, we did this. This is something we all worked together and, we mm-hmm. did, and we'd celebrate and we'd have a big party. Right. How could you be an actor if you don't know your lines? If you haven't studied the character, I mean, mm-hmm. you can be bad at it and just sort of read with the script in your hand and people are like, that guy's no good. <laughs> but if you memorize the lines through discipline, right, you've already done something way better. And if you not only memorize the lines, but deliver them as the character because you understand the motivations, the feelings, the emotions. And if somebody looks up there and says, I, I forgot that's Jesse and somebody else was present. You know, you know me and Downton Abbey, right? So, oh the lady who we pl- haven't had a uh, <laughs> DA reference in quite a while. But you know, the lady who plays uh, Lady Mary Crawley, she's mm-hmm. very beautiful. She's sort of my type, you know, icy and stiff and formal, <laughs> oh, and, you know, kind of a challenge. <laughs> One of my friends in college <laughs> used to say, uh, "I like girls with toods I mean, attitudes." That's a, that was a little line. So, I like girls with toods. Anyway. She's sort of uptight, you know, and uh, that's part of her charm. And then you meet the, when you see the actress in an interview and she's just sort of like mm-hmm. dumpy and wearing regular clothes. She's still a lovely, beautiful lady, but she's talking with a little Cockney accent. I'm like, oh, I can't believe that Lady Mary is you, right? Uh-huh. Instead of, I can't believe that you are Lady Mary. Like, Lady Mary is the one I know, or Carson, the butler. If you met that guy on the street, he's like, what? You'd ask him for a drink. Why isn't he Carson? Go get me a drink. <laughs> because they're Butler. so good at it that, mm-hmm. you, that you, you don't even care that they're actors. You just participate in this other reality. So in a sense, the actor is rendering that reality present to us, which is really mm-hmm. kind of sacrilegious. Oh, I want to be... Well, that's like, that's like what we're supposed to do with Christ. You know, we're, we're yes. supposed to be so much Christ that we become Christ. And you render Christ present to others. Oh, man. But as... How did we get there from where we were talking about? You render Christ present as you, right? You Downton don't have to... Downton Abbey like, is the perfect metaphor for the Christian well, life. Well, it's, it's, it's high art in a way. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a high class soap opera, of course, but it's also one of the reasons why it's so popular is because the stories are compelling. There are things about human life, life, death, tragedy, um, you know, culture, all that stuff. And then they do it so well. All the characters are so believable that you say, oh, wow, I want to I mm-hmm. watch that and I want to find out what happens next. You care about these people who don't exist, right? There is no mm-hmm. such thing as Lady Mary Crawley, except as this artifice of this actress. But because she's so good at it, she renders this reality present to you. So think about that and then take it to the next level. How is Christ rendered present to us, either liturgically, uh, in the moral life, as you love your spouse, your kids, your neighbor? And if it's believable to people, if it's credible, they'll say, I want that. How Mm -hmm. do I get in the door? So act like a Christian, 
Don't actually be one, but pretend to be one, and then people will become Christian because of you. Well, no, really be one. Oh, okay, got it. People will sniff out. Be a method Catholic. Inauthenticity. (laughs) (laughs) Inauthenticity in a second. Oh, I want to be the Daniel Day-Lewis of Catholicism. Well, there you go. Why not? Or the Maggie Smith of, you know, Mm -hmm. she's totally believable in every role that that she plays. Like, she is Mm -hmm. old Lady Grantham to me, because I never really saw her in anything else before. Well, she was in uh, Harry Potter, wasn't she? Yeah, she. Yeah. that's more most people I would say know her right. from. Um, well, I can't believe we were just talking for 20 minutes and you didn't even mention church architecture once. That's true. Well, what we did, we talked about going in the door. Oh, man. Well, yeah. But how does church architecture act, right? The way, how does it render present something else? So you have to say, well, what is it? If it works, if it sacrifices itself, and then it learns more. If Lady Mary Crawley <laughs> has to know what would, you know, when you watch these interviews with actors, they say, well, I tried to imagine what would Lady Mary Crawley say or do, or I told the director that that line didn't seem like something she would say. Well, this person does not exist, right? How would, you, how would she know that? But in her own mind, she understands this other reality, which isn't actual, but is nonetheless made present. So what would a church be as a That sacrament? way we got all those, what would Jesus do? bracelets back in the day? Well, kind of, yeah. What would Jesus do is an interesting question. It's, you know, how do we know what is the right thing to do? But a church has to act like an actor in a sense, and what is it reacting? What is it revealing? But our own heavenly future, the new garden, the new heaven, the new earth, and so on. So all of these things are rendering Christ present as a person, as a healer, as a teacher, as a sanctifier, as the place of the sacrifice, as the place of... Well, this goes back to what we were talking about the last time we did a coffee, we talked about beauty, you know, and saying, you know, something that that creates something that is actually beautiful. So it's kind of an all-purpose goal. So when you do all those things, everything else kind of lines up. You become more beautiful. You get you become more Christ-like. You become more in love with Christ. But then also everything around you becomes elevated. And that's it, because we can't save ourselves. And God, being nice, because He's love itself, said, "You can become like me just by swimming around in my stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You can become." Knowledgeable, knowledgeable of me by hearing my word, singing my songs. My like, word. Looking at my beauty, delighting in all the things that I am. And if you do this, you'll become this. This is why people say don't do, don't have bad habits because you become accustomed to them and you be, kind of become violent by doing violent things. You can become peaceful by doing peaceful things. So everybody's out there doing Pilates, not Pilates, yoga, right? Like mm-hmm. I want to be calm. Why are they becoming calm? To become because they're being calm, right? <laughs> being calm makes you calm. Doing holy things makes you holy. What are the holy things? Encountering God. How do you encounter God? Through all the mm-hmm. various ways God's chosen to reveal himself. It's not that hard, man. I know, but like doing it, it's just like, ah, oh, then you got to do it. Well, I know. But everything <laughs> worth doing is worth doing well, right? And so if you want to become like God, you have to do the things that he asks us to do. And it's not that hard. One hour a week, for goodness sake. Yeah. Yeah, I can do that. I just, uh, I have my phone and it, I turned on this thing that analyzes my screen time. Oh, yeah, day. I just did that too. Don't ever do it's, that if you want terrifying. to be happy with yourself. Did you set a limit on it? I didn't, but it tells me, oh, it's like, man. you were looking at your phone for five, I set five a li- hours and 13 minutes. I, like, I set oh a limit goodness. on like on uh, videos and stuff, mm-hmm. like YouTube and uh, like Hulu and Netflix. And then it was like, Half, you know, halfway through my, my evening, it was like, you've reached your limit. But then it gives you the option to say, to override it. yeah, override it or like, tell me in 15 minutes. And of course, like, what's the point of having the mm-hmm. limit if you're just going to say override it? So I know I, pay, I played township for 43 minutes and I can't find five minutes to pray. Come on, man. I told my wife that because you can put a pin in for that, like a code. Oh, yeah. So I told her to like 
make one up so that I don't know it. And that way it will like force me not to do that. But you know what we could do? People who watch the online courses that we've developed, mm-hmm. they can have unlimited screen time if That's they're true. studying the things of God. So yeah. there you go. Hey. We didn't talk about that in That's this pro- podcast, did we? Yet? Oh, yeah. Well, we have these online courses. And all this stuff we're talking about, this is the content in these courses, mm-hmm. depending on the course. Yeah, the courses are, are like liturgy guys. Um, but with the chalkboard. Um, yeah, but with the chalkboard and like the fullness of liturgy guys. And I actually changed my sh- my shirt and tie and sweater, even though we recorded them all in the same day. <laughs> yeah, so notice, Chris doesn't love you as much as I do. Because I, don't, I still don't know why you do that. Because it's supposed to look like it's five different classes. Is it supposed five, to look? Yes, it is. Is it the fullness of the class to be different? Yes, it is. All so right. ties are a part of the sacramental expression. Well, I'm the director. You didn't ask me. The, well, yeah. I feel well, like I'm the talent. I feel like, so I feel like my character would change clothes. So anybody listening now, I love you more than Chris does because I changed ties for you. So go to on liturgy.online. Yeah, liturgy.online. And you can see there are now, currently there are how many courses up there? Um, well, there'll be five soon, right? Yeah, if they're not be there yet. March, I don't know when this is going out, but March 19th, there will be five uh, different courses. St. Joseph's Day, right? Yeah. Two on one introduction to the sacraments, one, mm-hmm. uh, and one introduction to liturgy, one going through all the sacraments. Then uh, those are with Chris. Introduction to the church documents on music. That's with moi. Understanding beauty in the sacred liturgy. Also with moi. And uh, understanding active participation. participation in the liturgical movement. Also mm-hmm. with moi. Moi. Oh, yeah. You are. <laughs> yeah, so this is it. We have the big thermometer on the wall. We're deciding who is winning more by having more courses um, watched, Chris or me. So please, 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 I want my thermometer to be up higher than Chris's. Yeah. Chris, what do you, what do you say about that? I am leaving in five minutes. All right. Jesse, coffee talks are awesome. Thank you, Patreon supporters. Coffee is awesome. Good day. Thank you, and God bless. The Liturgy Guys is produced by the Liturgical Institute. If you like what you've heard today, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And be sure to check out liturgicalinstitute.org to discover more about our degree programs, public events, and publications. Refresh your soul and renew the church at what Bishop Robert Barron calls one of the very best places in the country to receive formation in the Catholic liturgical tradition. Now that's a podcast.
The Liturgy Guys is produced by the Liturgical Institute. If you like what you've heard today, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And be sure to check out liturgicalinstitute.org to discover more about our degree programs, public events, and publications. Refresh your soul and renew the church at what Bishop Robert Barron calls one of the very best places in the country to receive formation in the Catholic liturgical tradition.